Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. What a huge week in the world of sports. NFL, NHL, college football, World Series, NBA, regular season, including my Lakers and more. Simply put, Wow Kazawi. One place and one place only. I've been uh, telling you about for years. It's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account and use the promo code PODCAST1 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Don't miss out on all this incredible action. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook expert. Boy, Corey, to get your TV today, how many subscriptions do you have to have? Oh, man, way too many. It's ridiculous between the Hulos and the Netflix and cable and then satellite delivery services and HBO. By the time you're done, you have 20, 30 subscriptions, and you're paying everybody just to watch TV. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. I want to say it again, free streaming television service. You can watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. No credit card needed, no sign-up. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV for free on all your favorite devices today. This is No Excuses with John Taffer. I'm John Taffer, best-selling author, bar rescue guru, and soon your new best friend. I've got a lot of for us to talk about, so stop making excuses and let's get started because this gets real right now. All the way from the studios at Podcast One, here's John Taffer. All righty, I'm John Taffer. This is my No Excuses podcast. I'm not even going there. What episode number is this, Corey? My favorite number in the world, 69. Okay, we're not even going there. This is episode 69. Uh, man, it's October, buddy. And yeah. uh, uh, pretty exciting. Today is my daughter's birthday, so happy birthday to Samantha. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah, Sam is 31 years old today, which is incredible to me. That, that uh, you know, you look back at things like this, and <laughs> I can remember when I was back in high school. And there were times when I thought to myself, man, I'd now, I'm never going to find anybody who's going to marry me. You know, I'm never going to be a good... I, you look at sometimes forward in your life when you're young and you say, man, I'm not sure I'm going to pull this stuff off. But uh, here we go. I got like a wonderful daughter who loves me and she's 31 years old. Son of a gun. Corey, I pulled it off. Yeah. Congrats, John. Thank you. I got like a job I go to every day. You know, yeah. I, I got like a couple of bucks in the bank and, and I, son of a gun, I pulled it off, you know, and, and, and that's a, sometimes when it's my daughter's birthday and, and, and I get reflective and I think, you know, what are the things that I've accomplished in my life? At the end of the day, Corey, there's no greater accomplishment that'll ever mean more to me than my daughter, Samantha. So happy birthday, Sam. Well, wow. Uh, 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 before we even dive into this, because I got a lot of stuff to talk about this week, hit subscribe at Apple Podcasts or go to podcastone.com or the Podcast One app. Should get you new episodes every week. You don't want to miss that, so do that now. And if you have comments, don't forget to leave us comment lines. You can always send us an email uh, uh, to podcast at johntaffer.com. That's podcast at johntaffer.com. And don't forget, in the dark, if you have an audio clip that you want to send, just send it to podcast at johntaffer.com, and, and uh, Corey will listen to it 
Sometimes I don't even think he listens to it, honestly. And <laughs> plays these audio clips hey, for it's me. It's more fun and, that way. Ah, you catch me with my pants down, but you're catching yourself with your own pants down too, by the way. True, so true. I guess it's thin ice for both of us sometimes. But And then I got to take a minute and, and congratulate my wife, Nicole. And, and Nicole is, is very charitable. I like to think that I am too. And uh, Nicole has been nominated for something that's very, very special. And she is on the advisory board of Keep Memory Alive. And it's a big, big event. You know, uh, Las Vegas Magazine and and has nominated her as um, one of the top seven female philanthropists in Las Vegas. So 2019 Vegas Gives honoree Nicole Taffer. And uh, I'm sorry, it's eight. They they select eight charitable women in Las Vegas working to make a difference in the community. And there's a cocktail reception and, and uh, at the win, and it's a big deal here in Las Vegas. And I'd love it if anybody would go to keepmemoryalive.org, uh, donate a few dollars. But otherwise, I've done a couple of posts online in support of Nicole and her event. The event is November 6th at, the, at WID here in Las Vegas, and congratulations, Nicole. Uh, uh, you know, talk about giving back. Uh, Nicole has uh, really been giving back, and I'm really proud of this work. So let's see what else is going on here. I was, you know, sometimes in my consulting work, Corey, and you know because you work here in the office, we do all sorts of stuff. Oh, yeah. We work with hardware chains. You know, we work with fast food restaurants. Uh, we work with a whole bunch of different kind of companies and stuff, and uh, – <laughs> I get to work with fast food restaurants sometimes, and I was looking at this article, and, and you know when you think about it, they say fast food, right, Corey? Yeah, right. So when you drive by a drive-through window and there's like eight cars on line, do you keep going or do you get on that line? Uh, I'm I'm a big on going inside. I hate drive-throughs for some reason. Really? So you'll park and go in typically? Yeah, I don't mind walking in for a second. Well, I remember years ago when I used to work with McDonald's, there was some statistic that, and I forget exactly what it was, but it was some number that, you know, if the drive-in window took more than like 50 seconds, and if there were more than three or four cars online at any given time, that the restaurant could lose up to a quarter of a million dollars a year in sales. Wow. Because people wouldn't get on that line, Corey, they'll keep driving, right, and go to the next restaurant. Even though the next restaurant could be another McDonald's, it could be the same brand, but still, uh, nobody gets online when a drive-thru is backed up and that's why in california chains like uh in and out have the guys on a re- with the remotes on the line and they get your order in orders in long before you get to the window or the, or the typical speaker unit and everything is about speed in the drive through uh, uh the um drive-in window business and i when i saw this article i couldn't believe it so this was a newly released drive-through performance study for QSR Magazine, and QSR stands for Quick Service Restaurants. So this is interesting. So the fastest average time of a drive-in was 230.38 seconds. So Dunkin' Donuts clocked in with the fastest average time at 230 seconds from the first order window approach to full order execution. That's under four minutes. But that still seems like a long time, right? Four minutes. Yeah. So if you're four back in that line, it's going to take you 16 minutes by the time you get your food. You know, it's interesting. That doesn't seem like fast food to me. The slowest was Chick-fil-A, 
which had an average drive-through time of 322.98, call it 323 seconds, almost five and a half minutes. Jeez, that, wow. So if you're the fifth car online at a Chick-fil-A, you could be there 25 minutes. Jeez. So, you know, wow, I can see why you park and run in. You can probably get in. Well, you certainly can get in and out quicker than 25 minutes. Yeah, no, that's how I feel. So so uh, you're in and out, and you probably see the same car sitting on that line when you ran in on the way out. Right. Wow. Wendy's, Carl Jr., and Burger King were other pretty speedy ones. McDonald's, Hardee's, and Arby's were on the slower end, surprisingly, uh, of the overall survey. The study also broke down the average weights by time of day. On average, breakfast hours had the quickest service with an average wait time of 239 seconds. The late afternoon rush slowed down to about 275 seconds per order. Wow. So I got to tell you, the, hot, the whole drive-through window thing has seems to have gotten slower over the years, not faster, you know. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, so boy, Taffer's mixologist is kicking butt, Corey. I'm pretty damn excited about it. So, so uh, we're crossing. Uh, uh, we have sold now over a hundred thousand bottles of Taffer's mixologist. I'm really excited about that. And the comments online have been wonderful. People love it. And, you know, I think the, 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 the whole natural approach with no artificial preservatives and, you know, hot filling it in a glass bottle so it's high quality and it's really paying off. And, and people are really enjoying it. And I see all the posts online. So thanks, everybody, uh, uh, for trying it and spreading the word on social media. And if you haven't, you can go to taffersmix.com and you can check it out. And Taffer's Mixologist cocktail mixers are available at Walmarts uh, all across the country. And last week, Corey, we did our media tour for Taffer's Carbonated Craft Cocktails. And, yes. and, and I'm pretty excited about this. So I've been working on this for, for a year. And, and so we launched last week. And I you know, was on TV channels and uh, uh, online and Bro Bible and Barstool, which is hysterical if nobody's seen it. I went on KFC Radio and did a blind taste testing. I literally put blindfolds on KFC and John, and I put all the different cocktails in front of them and made them taste them blindfolded. It was really fun. And, you know, we did a lot of programs like that. And uh, thanks to Fox, Fox Business, MSNBC, uh, NBC, and uh, Bro Bible, and, and Cheddar, and Vox, and Sirius Radio, and, and for all my friends in all those places for supporting it. But uh, in the next couple of weeks, Taffer's Sparkling Craft Cocktails will be available in Florida, Texas, California, and Nevada. And more states will be coming online soon. And it's 5% alcohol. It's like a beer. And it comes in a box of four 12-ounce cans. It only has three grams of carbs, natural flavors, gluten-free, and only three grams of carbs. You've got to try it. It's really, really good. Sleep has never been my forte, Corey. I tend to be a side sleeper. And when I sleep on my side, the pressure from my hips makes my hips hurt. So I try to angle over a little bit, but I get up in the morning and my hips tend to hurt, my back tends to hurt. And I've got to tell you, I've tried a bunch of different kinds of mattresses and products. I've tried air mattresses, you know, that that are supposed to know your sleep and change and automatic and different settings on each side. And I've done all these kinds of things. And I got to tell you, uh, uh, um, there is a new technology that's really making a difference. And it's purple. So... Did you spend a night tossing and turning? 
And think about how pain and stress and all this stuff keeps you up at night, how you're tired the next day. And I've been waking up with a stiff neck and my hip killing me, and I spend way too much on a mattress and still don't get a good night's sleep. And I'm going to be completely honest. I have tried four different mattresses this year, Corey. And everyone that talks the biggest game tends to be the biggest disappointment. And thank God you can return them all because, you know, I got to return it. Now they got to pick up the old one. What do I do with the old one? Because I can't not have a mattress. So I got to get the new one before they pick up the old one. So you get the new one. Now they got to pick up. What do you do? It's, It's a real pain in the ass if you don't get it right. So if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a purple mattress. Now, the purple mattress is very different, and it probably will feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses this brand-new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It was not like the memory foam I'm used to. The purple material feels very unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time, so it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable, so it sleeps really cool. It ends up giving you sort of a zero-gravity feel and it works in any sleeping positions. So, you want a 100-night free trial? If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. And Purple Mattresses are backed by a 10-year warranty with free shipping and returns. So, I'll tell you, you're going to love Purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of any mattress. And that's in addition to the free gifts they're offering throughout the site. So, just text TAFFER to 84-888, and that's the only way to get this free pillow. Text TAFFER to 84-888. Message and data rates may apply. All righty, let's see what uh, um, is going on in the cocktail world. And we were looking online as my deep Cracker Jack producer, uh, Corey, always does, and finds me tidbits of information that I had no freaking idea existed, for example. <laughs> This is an email. I'm like supposed to be like a bar dude. I'm supposed to know what's going on, right, Corey? Yeah. I uh, should be knowing all these things, and you'd think that I would know the uh, eight of the world's most unusual drinks. You'd think I would know that, right? Well, hey, if you don't, now you will. Well, I, I guess I will after this, <laughs> but these are eight of the world's most unusual drinks. Tuna Tears Soju. Now, soju is a South Korean beverage. It's sort of like a bottled beer, but it can go up to 53% alcohol. So the alcohol level really varies in it. You're not sure what the hell you're drinking. And, you know, it goes with a Korean barbecue. And so it actually is tuna tears. And and it's a must-try in a country that has a reputation for going hard. And and soju is a distilled right wine with a high alcohol content that can be found almost every restaurant there. And uh, it's sort of... Looks, uh, 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 it's clear, almost looks like a Red Bull if you pour a Red Bull in a glass. Well, they actually uh, do a tuna tear shot, which is typically served at Japanese-style restaurants and seafood spots. Wow, can you believe that? Tuna tears. Huh. Um, I wonder if they have to sing the tuna like a sad song or something. I'm not sure. To make it cry? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing a lobster starts to cry in a way into that bubbling water. Right. I'm not sure if the tuna quite knows what's going on, but, you know, probably does. Okay, this I don't even know how the hell to pronounce this one. A Shin, a, a Sin Shikara in Ecuador. Now, Sin Shikara is a cane brandy fused together with the bark of indigenous rainforest plants and is unique to the Sucumbius province in Ecuador. 
So what they do is they most people have bottles of a commercial version of this product in their fridge. And this is a version popular with the Amazonian communities. And you can buy the beverage uh, 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 or you can make it yourself online. Anyway, I can't even imagine what that tastes like. I'm guessing it's a little rooty flavoring, if you will, a bit earthy. Tangba millet beer in Nepal is made from fermenting whole grain millet. Well, that's another one. Boza is Bulgaria, and it is made from fermenting bottled flour, giving it a slightly sour but sweet taste. That is really popular in Bulgaria. In the Dominican Republic, mamawana, not marijuana, <laughs> mamawana. So I guess, is that a stoned mother? Is that what that is? A, yeah. a, mama, a mamawana? <laughs> it's, it's a mother with very red eyes, is a, is a <laughs> okay. mamawana. Anyway, it's found in the Dominican Republic. It has many interesting properties. It's considered an aphrodisiac. So maybe you don't want to give it to your mother after all, right? Maybe you want to give it to more like your girlfriend or your wife. Right. And it's you to treat digestive issues. But it's mamawana, very, very popular. And then in Fiji, kava is an important part of the life, and it's made from roots and is, a, uh, you know, is, a, is such an important part of ceremonies in Fiji, kava, that you almost have to have it at formal meetings and special occasions. And uh, uh, meat breast mezcal. <laughs> in Mexico, is made by hanging a raw chicken, hen, rabbit, or turkey breast over the still where the mezcal is being distilled. Meat breast mezcal isn't produced in, in the way your average mezcal is. In the mezcal de pangha process, raw chicken breast is hung over the still where the mezcal is being distilled and slow cooks in the vapors. It's said to give the drink a fuller punch. <laughs> I bet it does. Yeah, because mezcal, that's that's tequila, right? Yes. Well, it, yes. It's it's a type of tequila. Type of tequila. Yes. yes, it is really its own thing, but yes, mezcal is, is different from tequila. It's a separate category, but it is similar in that it comes from Mexico, and, and, and many would argue it has a similar flavor. Ooh, I don't know about that one. And then the last one, and, and this sounds really marketable, and this one comes from Dawson City, Canada, the Sour Toe Cocktail. <laughs> you said toe? I did. It is an actual bonafide human toe. Oh. The sour toe cocktail isn't a drink for the fatal heart. Served in a shot glass with Yukon Jack or tequila, the imbiter must also take a swig and let the toe touch their lips. By the way, this is a real human toe. Legend has it the tradition started when a man named Louis Lincoln, a rum runner, lost his toe after it was frostbitten in the snow. His brother chopped it off. He then stored it in a mason jar. Decides later it was found on a shelf in his cabin served in drinks to brave bar goers. So that's – could you – where the hell did oh. they get the toe? Yeah, who's sacrificing their own toes? Well, did you watch Lebowski? No. You never watched The Big Lebowski? Uh-uh. Oh my God, Corey! How can you? How can you sit in that seat and never watch it? <laughs> well, Walter would say, "You know, give me three hours, I'll get you a toe." Oh, those okay. of you that haven't seen the Big Lebowski have no idea what I'm talking about, but it was still worth it for those of you who did. So, <laughs> man, none of those drinks were particularly appetizing to me. No, but you know, years ago we would look at, at Coke products around the world. And there used to be a display at Disney many, many years ago. I'm not even sure if it's still there, where Coke had a display, and you got to go in and try their products from around the world. 
And for example, you know, watermelon sodas, you know, different types of root sodas and spice sodas. And, you know, countries uh, all have their different variations of, of what they drink. And beverages are one of the things that I think are the most indigenous and regional and localized all over the world. Because, uh, you know, back in the days before there was refrigeration, everything started locally, right? If we didn't grow it, uh, uh, um, uh, slaughter it, or otherwise produce it locally, then uh, we didn't have it locally. So those roots still exist. Speaking of roots, okay, you know, every once in a while in Congress, they move pieces of paper that are supposed to change our lives. Right. <laughs> They're supposed to make our way of life better, Corey. They're supposed to make us smile. They're supposed to create greater commerce, greater awareness. So today, as I sit before you, I am proud to say that one of the things that they wanted us to be thinking about was National Chocolate-Covered Pretzel Day, which is today. Now, think about this. Right underneath it is National LED Day. So I'm not quite sure where they go from chocolate-covered pretzels to light-emitting diodes, but they did. Hmm. Today is National Frappe Day. That's a good thing. Yeah. National Inner Beauty Day. You feeling it, Corey? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> you, got, you got your inner beauty going on, you think? Yeah, yeah, of course. Look, I'm feeling pretty inner today, I think. <laughs> you know, reflective. I had a rough couple of weeks. My, my dog, Winston, my little guy got sick, had a major operation. So I was at a friend's house this week, and my dog has now lost his spleen some of his kidney, a bunch of his liver, and and God knows what else from the inside of him. He has two abdominal surgery. But the little guy is doing great. He's 13 and a half. He's running around. He's doing great. And I was, was sitting with a friend this uh, uh, the other night, and I was telling him how my dog is now a basic model, Corey, meaning he has no <laughs> optional equipment whatsoever. <laughs> he's a car without a radio, you know, without an interior light. Uh, he's the basic model. The little guy is doing great. So... Uh, it's also National Consignment Day and National Child Health Day. That's good. Later this week, <laughs> oh, man, I used to love these when I was a kid. National Fluffernutter Day. You ever have a Fluffernutter? No, I haven't. So Fluffernutter was made with a product called Fluff, a marshmallow fluff, which they still have in stores. Marshmallow fluff is a jar of spreadable marshmallow. Oh, okay. And a Fluffernutter was a peanut butter and marshmallow sandwich. And, man, they were hot when I was a kid years ago. A fluffernutter was pretty badass, man. It was a great sandwich. It's not exactly a, a, the healthiest thing in the world. Your blood would thicken as you ate it. But a fluffernutter was pretty amazing. National Pierogi Day. Uh, uh, American Touch Tag Day. National Leaf Erickson Day. Well, congratulations to you, Leaf. National Pro-Life Cupcake Day. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> And right next to it, National Moldy Cheese Day, National Emergency Nurses Day, Bring Your Teddy Bear to Work Day. So it's also National Stop Bullying Day. So stop bullying, Corey. No, no, no more of that from the production booth. I need this. I need that. You got to do this. You got to do that. National Curves Day. Now, what does that mean, curves? Does that mean that I should throw curves at you? Today is a day that I should throw curves at you. Is it a hats off to the curbs of a human body, male or female, being non-gender specific and politically correct? <laughs> what the hell does that mean? National Curve Day. National Angel Food Cake Day. That one I get. National Cake Decorating Day. That day I get. National Handbag Day. Man, I'm glad my wife's in L.A. today. She doesn't hear this one. 
because she loves uh, her handbags. She must have 40 of them in the closet. And October 13th is also one of my favorite days of the year. And if my wife was sitting next to me, she would absolutely agree with this statement. What do you think on October 13th would be my favorite day of the year? And that is National No Bra Day, which I think is one of the more meaningful acts that was taken here in this, <laughs> in, 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 since I've started this bit. And we've looked at these national acts. And, of course, isn't it amazing that the same day of National No Bra Day is Clergy Appreciation Day? <laughs> so you you got to violate one of those because you're not going to go up and hug your clergy person in a shirt with no bra. So so we got some kind of a conflict going on. <laughs> so those are our days of the month, and boy, I got a lot more to talk about when I come back. Talk to you in a second. Don't shut down this podcast yet. No excuses with John Taffer continues next. Want to talk to John? Email him now at podcast at johntaffer.com. Man, what a great time of year. Beautiful weather and football is right around the corner. And if you're looking to add some excitement, make BetDSI your betting partner. Use BetDSI's live betting platform where you can watch all the events and even bet all the games till the final whistle. And new members get a 100% bonus match using promo code TAFFER101. That's double your money to start winning today. So why would you choose BetDSI? First of all, it's been paying winners for 20 years. It's a top-rated site, and you can use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash this week. It is a really friendly interface. It's got a very cool mobile site, and most important, it's got the fastest payouts in the industry. So BetDSI offers options for everything. You can bet on NFL, NBA, NHL, boxing, and all other major sports, politics, reality, TV, esports, virtually everything. So try betting at BetDSI where you can bet on games from start to finish, every play, every minute until the end. And remember, new members get a 100% bonus match using promo code TAFFER101. That's double your money to start winning today. Again, go to BetDSI.com and use promo code TAFFER101 to get this limited-time 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash. Guys, it's only a game till you bet at BetDSI. Shut it down! All righty, here we go. This is the In the Dark segment of the show. Here's the deal. All you guys have to do is create an audio clip. You can challenge me, insult me, tell me I'm a fool, tell me you love me, tell me you hate me. Tell me you challenge me, ask me whatever you like. Take that audio clip, send it to us at podcast at johntaffer.com, podcast at johntaffer.com, and Corey will look at those clips, listen to those clips, and will play them to me. And have I ever heard these before, Corey? No, you haven't. Do I have any idea what's in them? Nope. Have you given me any kind of briefing or setup? I have not. So I am completely in the dark on this, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, so are they good? Are they bad? Can you give me any kind of hint? Though? Is this they're, easy? They're not too bad this week. Oh, they're, okay, cool. Well, then a lot I, of, We are getting a lot of bar rescue questions. But. Okay, well, then I'm, I can sort of relax in my seat a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Let's see what you got. Play the first one. Hi, John. I'm getting ready to open my first bar, and I'm wondering, what is the single biggest mistake a new bar owner can make? You know, that's, that's a question that I get asked all the time. And, and, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of little mistakes that can put you out of business. Uh, if you don't manage your costs, if people overpour, if portion size isn't right, if products aren't costed right, you can do revenue and lose money. If the labor cost percentages are too high, you can lose money. 
uh, uh, there's a lot of little things that'll cost you a point here, a point there, right? You lose, and you only have about 12 to 18% profit typically anyway. So if you make a few mistakes, 2% here, 2% there, 3% door, the labor costs, labor costs ran 10% over, et cetera, that profit can be chewed up very, very quickly. So rather than focusing on all of those little things, let me tell you what solves them all, and that's time. And when people open bars, often their costs are out of whack. And even if the bar or the restaurant is full, they lose money those first two to three months, and then they shut down because they're out of money. Now, had that bar or restaurant had more money to make it another month or two, Corey, they would have figured out how to solve the labor cost problem. They would have figured out, oh, our food is too high. We have to modify the portion. We have to raise the price. They would have a chance to correct all these little things. So to answer your question, understand it's probably going to cost a little more to build than you expect. It's probably going to take a little longer to build and open than you expect. Your labor costs, your product costs, all these costs are probably going to be higher in the beginning than you expect. So how do you solve it all? Money. Always have enough money because think of it as a football game. Nobody ever loses a football game. They just run out of time. Imagine if there was a fifth quarter on a football game, how different the outcomes could be. How many games would have ended completely differently? You got to have the money for a fifth quarter. You with me? You got to have the dollars to get to the point where you see where these issues are and you can correct them with money. You get that extra quarter. That extra quarter, so to speak, is what will help you get over the hump and turn you from uh, losing money and struggling in the beginning to finding profitability. And that's the answer, money. Hey, John. I've been listening to your show since day one, and so far everything's been great. I was wondering if you could probably get, as a guest speaker, uh, Chef Gordon Ramsay. Um, I know he does a lot of things that are very similar to you as far as helping other people in business. And uh, I think it would be interesting to hear what he has to say and what he, what he ended up doing to get into the same thing that you do. Uh, you know, I'd love to do that. And, and I'll reach out to Gordon and I'll ask him. I can tell you, you know, a couple of stories quickly. Uh, you know, Gordon is, is, there's nobody in my business, television, food and beverage, that I have more respect for than Gordon Ramsay. And uh, I had a chance to do Hell's Kitchen with Gordon. Yeah, maybe it was six weeks ago. So I went to Hell's Kitchen and I sat at the table and Gordon did his thing and I was a customer at Hell's Kitchen uh, with a table of friends uh, 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 and it was a charity table. And so I got a chance to spend a bunch of time with Gordon and I, you know, we, we, we got to talk a lot. And I want to tell you what I said to Gordon the first time I met him. And, you know, we were obviously knew who each other were, were fans of each other. We know that just from, you know, online communications and what we've heard uh, through common friends and common crew and common chefs and people that we know. You know, I know that Gordon is, is a fan of mine and I'm, I'm, I'm certainly a fan of his. So when we met, of course, our reputations and who we were preceded our meeting. So, so when Gordon looked at me, he said, it's about time. I looked at him. I said, yes, it is. We walked up, gave each other a huge hug. I want to know what I want everybody to know what I said in his ear when I gave him that hug. I said to him, "Gordon, thank you for paving the way for us all." And I believe if it wasn't for Gordon Ramsay, I wouldn't be on TV. And the, you know the the whole premise of of tension television 
And that whole sector of reality television where you see humanity stretched and you see people failing and disappointed and making transitions and starting to become sex successful and the whole Shakespearean style of television, which is person in trouble who resists change and transforms themselves and redeems themselves and wins in the end. You know, Gordon, in so many ways, led the path of, of what that type of a television show was uh, uh, with Kitchen Nightmares. And you know, had I not known of Gordon and not known of Kitchen Nightmares, I'm not sure I would have ever come up with Bar Rescue, which was originally called, by the way, when I first wrote it up, uh, On the Rocks. <laughs> it was the original name of the show. But in any event, I will reach out to Gordon. I will try our best to see if we can get him online, and I'm guessing that would be a really fun conversation. So I uh, promise uh, we'll try to make it happen. Thanks. Good call. Next one, Corey. Keep going. Run a roll here, buddy. Hey, John. This is Dave. My friends and I are big fans of Bar Rescue, but we really like Marriage Rescue and we were wondering if you're ever going to go back and check in on some of those couples and see how their marriages are doing. Thanks, John. Wow, you know, that's a great idea. Corey, let's put together a special No Excuses podcast. And let's reach out to, it'll take us a few weeks to put this together. Yeah. Let's reach out to some of the, the couples from Marriage Rescue. Uh, uh, and there's a bunch of them we can reach out. There were 12. I'm not sure we can reach to all 12, but we'll reach to a few of them, certainly. And uh, let's see if we can do a little special podcast and get a few of them on and get a little update. I think that's a terrific idea. So we'll make an announcement in the next few weeks. We'll do a uh, No Excuses Bar Rescue Update episode. You in, Corey? I'm in. All right. That was a great one. Great idea. You know, I love when you guys come up with ideas like that. And, and you know, coming up with ideas like that uh, uh, don't happen here. They happen with you. And so... As always, a big thank you for listening to the show. And I'd like to ask a small but very important favor of you. It'll only take a few minutes. And if you're one of the first people to do it, Podcast One will make it worth your time, literally. We need you to complete a short survey because the information you give us can help us make things better for the show and for you as a listener. Just go to podcastone.com slash survey and everything will be right there for you. That's podcastone.com slash survey. The first 250 people who complete the survey will get a $10 gift card to Amazon.com and two grand prize winners will be selected at random to get a $100 Amazon gift card. What about that? Free money. It's a win-win, Corey. They can't go wrong. And the information we will use to make this better. Our shows are supported by advertisers, so filling this out will really help us cater to the needs of you as a listener. So please go to podcastone.com slash survey, answer some questions, and potentially make some money along the way. And thank you for being a dedicated listener. I appreciate every single one of you. And if you have a few minutes to do this, we'd appreciate it. You know, we've all heard of Make-A-Wish Foundation. Easy premise, sick child, terminally sick child, is sent to Disney World or to another location that makes their wish come true. Other children make other wishes, go to different places, receive different things, get to participate in different things. How did Make-A-Wish happen? Was it a child that started it? Was it an individual that started it? How did it happen? Because Make-A-Wish Foundation has delivered the wishes of a half a million children. Think about that. A half a million terminally ill children made wishes that came true because of Make-A-Wish Foundation. Well, I'll tell you how it started. It started with Frank Shankwitz, a motorcycle officer 
for Arizona public safety because of this guy's heart, his big heart, the passion, the energy of Frank Shankwitz started Make-A-Wish Foundation and turned it into what it is today. So I've been so looking forward to having Frank here as my guest. And when I come back, I'll be with Frank Shankwitz. Don't shut down this podcast yet. No Excuses with John Taffer continues next. That's funny, Corey, in a, in a uh, bar rescue episode a couple years ago, we did the Bacon Bar in Las Vegas when I was doing research. I believe it was Stanford, but I can't tell you for sure which university. There was a research report done that said 42% of all men would prefer bacon over sex. And I always thought that, man, I am not one of those 42%. I'm guessing you're not one of those 42% either. No. So it's interesting. We all love sex. And if you love sex, you'll love BlueChew.com. BlueChew offers men a performance enhancement for the bedroom. And let's face it, we all like to get a little longer playtime, if you will, or maybe go an extra inning or two. And at BlueChew.com, you can get the first chewables with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And chewables can work faster than pills, up to twice as fast, by the way. And chewables from Blue Chew can be taken on a full or an empty stomach. You can contact an online physician for free, so it's cheaper than those other two, Viagra and Cialis, and it only takes a few minutes to connect with a BlueChew.com affiliated physician, and if you qualify, you get prescribed online quickly. No in-person doctor visit, no awkward conversation, no waiting in line at a pharmacy. It ships directly to your door in discreet packaging. And the chewables from BlueChew.com are prescribed online by a doctor and made in the USA. So Blue Chew gives you the confidence in bed every time. You and your partner will love it. Chew it and then do it. (laughs) Here's a great deal. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code TAFFER. Just pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code TAFFER. Please, I want everybody to join my wife, Nicole, and keep memory alive for a cocktail reception celebrating eight charitable women who strive to make a difference in my community of Las Vegas. Vegas Gives 2019 Cocktail Reception will be an unforgettable evening of philanthropy featuring signature drawings for fabulous fashions and one-of-a-kind experiences courtesy of Wynn Plaza Partners. If you're unable to attend, please consider donating to keep memory alive. All donations will be matched up to $10,000. Please help us meet our goal. Funds raised by Keep Memory Alive exclusively support the work of the Cleveland Clinic Lou Ruo Center for Brain Health and its fight against neurocongenitive disorders. And here's the best part. The first 50 people who donate $100 or more will receive a free Keep Memory Alive and Team Taffer shirt. And the first 50 people to donate $25 or more will receive a free purple bracelet in support of Alzheimer's disease. This is really important to me. Please join my uh, my wife, Nicole, and this is important work to both of us, and support Keep Memory Alive by visiting keepmemoryalive.org. That's keepmemoryalive.org. Taffer's back. This is No Excuses with John Taffer. It's an honor uh, to have you here. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Uh, uh, you know, it's funny. I... I uh, have had the opportunity to, to sit on the boards of so many charities over my life. And, you know, every you've created the standard uh, for me of, uh, of you know, what a great organization does and, and, and you know, how a, a, a dream, just a thought, can become such a powerful influence on so many lives. So thanks for being here, Frank. 
Well, and thank you for the invitation. And sorry for about the little communication mix-up, but we we got it working. Yeah, we sure did. So your background is is a great background. So you, you grew up in Arizona, and, and uh, went to high and junior high school in Prescott. And I've been to Prescott actually. And uh, uh, from there, you went on to Arizona Western College, and following that. Uh, uh, you enlisted in the Air Force. Did you know that you were going to go in the Air Force? Did you know that you wanted to work for public safety? Where did you know in your growing up uh, uh, where you wanted to go and what you wanted to do? Or did it all sort of happen? I'm, I'm very curious. Well, and, and during high school, and obviously a very poor family, if you saw any background, but uh, just me and my mother, me trying to support actually my mother, and I knew I couldn't afford to go to college. And this was before the days of student loans. This is in the, the 1960s. Yep. And I uh, had always been interested in military and especially the Air Force and especially air traffic control. Uh, just a passion I had and uh, took the test for it and passed to be go to that tech school and join the Air Force uh, in 1961. And following basic training, we learned a thing called the needs of the service, <laughs> where our, all of our orders were changed. We had people going to all sorts of different tech, tech schools, including Russian language school and uh, even officer training school. And all of a sudden they said, this graduating class is cooks, this graduating class is medics, and this graduating class is their police. And I was on that one that was their police. Gotcha. Yeah, now everybody was very disappointed, obviously, but uh, you've signed your four-year contract, and uh, it turned out to be a great, a great uh, choice, I mean, as far as going into that type thing. Gave me the background in police, started out with the, the typical security, aircraft security on the bombers that were B-52s that were loaded for yep. with hydrogen bombs back in that day, and uh, eventually into actual police duties. I got sent over to England. And spent three years in England at a base there and doing actual police duties, which gave me a back, good background. Gotcha. So, so but you mentioned about the uh, joining the Highway Patrol. And no, that was never a thought. Um, I went to work for Motorola. Motorola was looking, and this is now um, the late 60s, looking for people with top secret clearances uh, to work on their uh, Atlas missile programs in Phoenix. And uh, I accepted that position. They gave us training. I used the GI Bill going to college to get the degrees. Uh, just a great job. I mean, just excellent, excellent salary. Motorola treated us so good. Uh, but several of my friends from high school had joined the Arizona Highway Patrol and just kept saying, why don't you join, Frank, with your background, your engineering uh, background? You'd just be a perfect fit. You're kind of adrenaline junkie. And I said, guys, I make it in one week, but you guys make it a month. And I, I just, I'm not going to take that salary cut for the first time I'm comfortable. Yeah. And, uh, but I just got bored at Motorola. It was the same thing. I mean, again, they treated me good. And just on a whim, I put in an application after seven years of Motorola uh, with the Highway Patrol. And uh, that particular process, there was 1,000 applicants and they only chose 50 of us. And I happened to be one of the, people they chose and I had to make that decision well greatest decision I ever made was uh, joining the 
Arizona Department of Public Safety because 42 years later, I finally <laughs> resigned. <laughs> so when, when you, were you always conscious of helping those around you, even when you were young? Did you have a, 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 did you have an emotional connection to Make-A-Wish back then before you knew it was Make-A-Wish? Oh, no, no, not, not, not whatsoever. Um, I was, like I said, raised very poor, um, just a strange child background, but uh, so strange that Hollywood made a movie about it <laughs> called, called Wish Man, but brought up very, very poor and ended up in a little town called Sligman, Arizona. My mother and I up on old Route 66, and this is 1953, uh, completely broke, nowhere to go. A ranching family took us in, and at 10 years old, I got a job as a dishwasher and did that for several years working full-time, plus trying to go to school. But a gentleman became my father figure because my mother had actually kidnapped me and kept me hidden from my father for years and years while he's trying to find us. And uh, this gentleman, Juan Delgadillo, like I said, became my father figure, my mentor. I had never had this father figure, but just kept helping me out, teaching me things, teaching me work ethic, getting me introduced to sports, into music, just all sorts of help develop character and integrity. And one day he said, Frank, when you can give back. Now this is the fifties. This is not a popular term like it is now. Yeah. What do you mean give back? The poor people are helping us out. And he said, you don't have to have money to give back. You can give back your time. And he gave an example of, look at the widow Sanchez. She's always bringing you and your mom beans and tortillas to help you out. Look at her yard. It's a mess. It's full of weeds. Look at her front porch. It needs scraped and painted, and you're old enough to do that. You can do that. You can give back. And that was just a perfect example of a life lesson that I just stayed with me my whole uh, teenage and adult life. Wow. So, so then <clears throat> you start working in a motorcycle unit, and, and uh, at some point you, you became a coach with Special Olympics. Was that in your conscious effort to give back? or, or Talk to me about uh, the whole Special Olympics part of your life. Well, I was, I was first stationed down in Yuma, Arizona, on the um, California-Mexico-Arizona border. Um, and as a car officer, I mean, just a rookie straight out of the academy. And I took continuing classes out, as you mentioned, at Western Arizona College. And one of the coaches came up to me one day, the football coach, and he said, hey, I know your football coach from back when you were in Prescott, Arizona, playing football in high school. And I'd like you to get involved in Special Olympics. And I had no idea what that was. And he just he explained the program to me. He said, if you got some time on your days off, if you'd like to do that, and we'd like you to help the kids with a football throw, a baseball throw, uh, basketball, all of these sports I was involved in. And I said, you know what, Coach, that sounds like fun. And that's the first time I got involved with Special Olympics. And I really, really enjoyed that program, working with those kids. And when I'm doing that is the first time I thought, to thinking about Juan, my mentor. Juan, I think I'm finally starting to give back. It yeah. took all those years. And it started to make sense to you what give back meant, I'm guessing, in those moments also. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yep. When did you think of, and talk to me about, you know, when Make-A-Wish was even conceived, was it a particular child and situation that caused it, or was it, you know, the, the thought first and then and then find the child who needed it? Talk to me about that for a few minutes. Yeah, and, and it, it started back in the early 70s, as you mentioned, I was on a motorcycle tactical squad. It was a 10-man unit. We worked all over the state of Arizona 
two weeks in one town, two weeks in another town. And during that period, and this is in the mid-70s, the uh, TV show Chips became very popular. Sure. <laughs> and for people who don't know, Chips was the adventures of the New California Highway Patrol motorcycle officer, Ponch and John. It was on NBC. It ran forever and ever. Eric Estrada. Yeah, very popular with the uh, the age group of uh, 7 to 14, mm-hmm. uh, that demographic. Except for the girls, it was 7 to about 50 because of uh, <laughs> and his smile. <laughs> but as we started going to little towns, um, the two-man team usually, the grade school kids would see us and they'd just start yelling, Hey, Punch, hey, John. And we got a kick out of that. And our equipment, our uniforms are almost identical. And ours, ours is Arizona, obviously. In fact, we trained with California Highway Patrol initially up in Sacramento. And I just asked our commanders, if we have some downtime in these little towns, can we go to the grade schools and start talking about bicycle safety? And they thought that would be a great PR tool, which we did. Now, the kids could care less about bicycle safety. They just wanted to crawl all over the motorcycle. Yep. Again, it, it was just a, a great PR thing with the mm-hmm. town, with the teachers, and so on. And in 1980, um, I was patrolling way up in here in northern Arizona on a motorcycle, and I get a call from a dispatcher, um, check out at a telephone, the nearest telephone. This is before the days of cell phones. Yep. And you drive 40 miles to find the nearest payphone. And she said, we've just been informed a customs agent named Tommy Austin has befriended a little boy named Chris. Chris is seven years old. Chris has terminal leukemia. He's only expected to live a week or two. And his heroes are Ponch and John from Chips. And he told his mother, when I grow up, I want to be a motorcycle officer, just Uh, like Ponch and John. uh, And the customs agent said, is there anything the department could do to uh, just have him hang out for a day if he can get permission from his doctors? Because this little boy is in bed on IVs. Yeah. Uh. To hang out with one of the motorcycle officers, see the guys, see the equipment. And I just happened to be the officer they chose, maybe because I would all over the state, you know, working with the children, interacting with them. And I had never met this little boy. I had no idea what to expect. And they timed it where our helicopter, in fact, our state police helicopter picked him up at his hospital. And they timed it where the helicopter is approaching the landing zone that I am coming down from the mountain area into our headquarters area. And I could see this little face pressed against the glass of this helicopter, just this huge grin on his face. Now, I'd never met this little boy. I had no idea what to expect. The helicopter landed. I thought our paramedics are going to help him out the door. Uh, He had just come off these IVs. Yeah. And instead, the door opens up, jumps this little red pair of red sneakers, uh, rocks for the motorcycle. Hi, I'm Chris. Can I get on your motorcycle? Well, of course you can, Chris. This little boy is just laughing and giggling. And he has watched Chip so much, John, that he said, this is the siren. Can I turn it on? These are the red lights. This is this. This is that. He knew everything about that motorcycle because uh, ours was identical. Yeah. And said, what's in your saddlebag? It's the same as Punch. <laughs> But I'm looking at his mother, and she's crying, and, and I had never met her. And why is she crying? That had dawned on me. She has her seven-year-old back. This little boy is just being a typical seven-year-old, just having the time of his life. Yeah, at that moment, he's not sick. Right. And he went on that day to become the first and only honorary highway patrol officer uh, in the history of our highway patrol. We had, the next day, we had a custom-made uniform made for him. 
uh, his own badge that's still assigned to him today, the smoky hat. Uh. And the following day when we went to deliver all this to his house, we got permission to go to his house. I led several motorcycles, squad cars. And he came up to me and uh, very proud in his uniform. Oh. And, and started touching the wings that motorcycle officers wear. And this is the first time I heard this word. He said, I wish I could be a motorcycle officer. And I just started teasing him and I was saying, Chris, this is the training we go through. It's a shame you don't have a motorcycle. We train you right now in your driveway. We'd put up some traffic pylons and see if you could go through them. <laughs> this little boy runs in the house comes riding out on a battery-operated motorcycle that his mother had got for him in place of a wheelchair. Oh, wow. He's just all serious. He's got on a helmet. He's got on the aviator glasses. He goes through the cones. He comes back. Am I a motorcycle officer now? Yes, you are, Chris. When do I get my wings? Well, those were custom-made also. And I said, Chris, I promise I'll get your wings. It'll take a couple days. A couple days later, just as I pick up the wings, again, the dispatcher says, call in. I call. She says, Chris is in a hospital, in a coma, probably not going to survive the day. You're authorized to drive into Phoenix to go to the hospital, which I did. Chris's uniform is hanging right by his bed. Just as I pinned on the motorcycle wings, he came out of the coma. He looks at me. He big grin on his face. My motorcycle officer now, yes, you are, Chris. His wish had become true. And unfortunately, he passed away a couple hours later. Wow. Yeah, I was, John, I always like to think maybe those wings helped carry him to heaven. Yeah, what an unbelievable story. So so, so there came the word wish? He, yes, that's he, the first time I heard that. And, and you made his wish come true. Well, myself and several others, obviously. Sure, sure. But, but our commanders approached me a couple of days later and said, we just learned that Chris is going to be buried in a little town called Kewanee, Illinois. We have lost a fellow officer. We would like you and your partner to go back and give him a full police funeral, which we did. Now, again, this is before the days of Internet, but the local press is picking this up, TV stations. And we were met in this little town of Kewanee because the word I got out by Illinois State Police, City Police, County Police, all wanting to give this little trooper a full police funeral. Wow. And buried in uniform, his grave marker reads, Chris Gracious, Arizona Trooper. But flying home, and this gets back to your original question, I just started thinking about, here's a boy who had a wish, and we made it happen. Why can't we do that for other children? And that's when the idea to start the Make-A-Wish Foundation was born, maybe about 36,000 feet over Iowa or Kansas or something. Wow. So, so now you've got your idea, Make-A-Wish Foundation. Well, now it's going to take an awful lot of people and resources around you to make these wishes come true. So now you're the founder uh, 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 of an entity. of, of, an, of an, So you, you, did you go out and form your nonprofit uh, entity? And, and ha- tell me how, like, the structure became. And I want somebody to know if, if, you, if they have a dream or a wish to help people. What was the process that you went through then, Frank? Well, the first thing was uh, going with Chris's mother when she finally returned home. I I told her of my idea, and she said, let's just do it. Now researching, how do you start a nonprofit? And again, it's before the days of the Internet. I go to the library. Anybody remember the library card? (laughs) (laughs) I'm a police officer. I don't know how to start a foundation. Just a lot of research. And the biggest thing in Arizona 
in a lot of states, Arizona per the Corporation Commission to file for your 501c3 along with the IRS is you have to have a minimum of five board members. And that was the hardest thing because everybody that was involved with Chris, uh, I told them my idea what we want to do. We want to grant wishes to children. They said it's a bad idea. It'll never work. Nobody's ever heard of this. So it just took a lot, a lot of time. Um, that was Chris's wish or when we met him was the end of April in 1980. And it took until November of uh, 1980 when we finally got our 501c3 to make us official. But during that time, just a lot, a lot of personal time expenses trying to sell people on the idea. And when we finally did get those five board members to become official. Wow. So when did you get your first corporate kind of sponsor? And now you're out pitching the idea to people, right? Now you're, you're, you're becoming somewhat of a fundraiser. Well, yes. And um, we're, we're strictly in Arizona, obviously, uh-huh. where we started out. Yep. And our first official wish was a seven-year-old. And when we started this, John, it was for children with terminal illnesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of these children survived during that period. Right. Leukemia even was a death sentence. Yeah. And, so you uh, had to act quickly. When you learned of a child, you had to act quickly, uh, uh, obviously, because there was always a clock ticking with you. Right. And the first official wish was in March of 1981. By then, we started getting a little recognition, starting to get some money uh, in our bank account. And again, a seven-year-old boy, um, leukemia, and he wanted to go to Disneyland. And we had thought the wish categories are, I want to see, I want to have, I want to meet, I want to go. And uh, we hadn't really thought too much about that out-of-state travel wish. Yeah. So we started putting everything together for the Disney. And we, we finally got the funds and donations for airfare, for lodging over there. Now this is all local donations pretty much, right? Yes, local donations. Yep. Uh, but airlines back then it was called uh, Hughes Air West mm-hmm. um, gave us tickets to send him and his mom over again a single mom. Uh, but the Disney connection, because and now Disney doesn't like this story, but I tell it anyhow. We kept calling Disney. Our secretary called him Disney. Said we're the Make a Wish Foundation. We'd like to get. We have a seven year old boy terminal illness. He'll be in a wheelchair. We'd like to get free admission, and we'd like also to see if we can get him in front of the lines. Uh, because he's very ill. Yeah. Now, we learned that Disney is notified with this all the time with bogus requests, and they just kept hanging up on us. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. And finally, the secretary said, I don't know what to do. They won't talk to me. I said, well, give me the name of the people you're talking to. And I called the secretary of public relations, and uh, she said, who is this? And I said, instead of Frank Shanklitz, uh President CEO make a wish. I said, this is Officer Frank Shanklitz, Arizona Highway Patrol. And she said, what is this about? And I said, well, I need to talk to your director of public relations because I have a warrant for one of your people. Now, guess who I got to talk to? Who? <laughs> the director of public relations. <laughs> but the first thing I did, John, I said, I just lied to you. Here's my name. Here's my badge number. Here is my supervisor's name and his phone number. All you have to do is call him right now, and I will be terminated immediately. Will you please listen to my story, which he did. 
which opened up the door for Disney, uh, the way they gave Bopsy, plus all the press we got now nationwide. And that answers the question of who's our first corporate sponsor and continues to be the Disney Corporation, which just over, we're all going in our 40th year, have just been there forever for us. Wow. So now you start to become national, right? You start to get requests from outside of Arizona, I imagine. So uh, 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 is that how you just started to grow? Suddenly there's more children, and of course you can't help them all. But then again, you want to help as many as you can. So now this is starting to work. So was your view is how do we grow this? How do we expand this? Did you ever think it would become as large as it is? Well, I did, yes. In fact, after I mentioned Bobsy, our first official wish. And yeah getting so much press, so much TV coverage. Uh, Dateline NBC did a full feature of us. And, and again, this is before internet. And I told our board someday we're going to be granting wishes all over the world um, because of the uh, publicity and that we're getting. And they all laughed at me. <laughs> but I guess I kind of got the last laugh. But it was in 1983 that we started getting approached by uh, other states. How do we start a chapter uh, and they, they called it a franchise then, you know, like a McDonald's almost. Yeah, yeah. But between that time, I had to make a, a decision. Um, I'm going to be a police officer or I'm going to run the foundation. I couldn't do both anymore. It was just taking up too many hours of my time. Yep. And I learned in college, always surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. And that's when our board made it, because none of us ever took a salary. And that's when our board made the decision that we need to start hiring somebody, a professional in the nonprofit world, mm-hmm. which we did the greatest decision the board ever made back in those days, uh, which made these uh, CEOs that we've had over the years have made that foundation grow what it is today. Just amazing with chapters all over the world. Yeah. Wow. So could you guess, Frank, how many children has Make-A-Wish touched over these years? Could well, guess? we have that figure, and it, it's just mind-boggling to me. We are at over a half a million children worldwide that have received the wish. We're in 36 countries on five continents, 63 chapters in the United States, and all because of one little boy. What a legacy that boy has left. Yeah, wow. And, and, and the fact of the matter is uh, 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 he touched your heart, but it was your heart that was touched, Frank. And, and the people around you that really acted upon this. And so, so when you turned it on, over and, and stepped back as a founder and went back to really your police career, uh, at that point, how long had you been still running it or actively involved? Actively involved for several years. But when I turned it over, um, <laughs> I was promoted to detective and went into an undercover assignment, undercover narcotics, and couldn't have my face or name splashed anywhere. So kind of in the sidelines for several years. Gotcha. And in the mid-80s, promoted to another position, homicide, our homicide unit, where I could get involved again. They didn't care. They wanted my face out there. Um, But stayed for them years and years is what we call the Wish Ambassador. The foundation would just send me all over the United States, even as far as uh, Guam and Tinian and Saipan uh, for meet and greets for uh, keynote speeches. To help raise money as a foundation and with the movie i'm not involved right now because it's a conflict of interest with our movie that's out but the movie is bringing all sorts of awareness to the foundation wow unbelievable frank so so uh 
you know, there, there's such a powerful lesson for people that are listening to learn from this is that you conceived this because you were touched and said, you know, I, I want to do something about this. And you did it while you were employed with a full-time job of great responsibility, by the way, still traveling, bouncing around the state. And look what, what somebody with, with passion can accomplish uh, even while they keep their jobs, even while uh, uh, the rest of life continues. It's a powerful and inspirational story, Frank, what each of us can do. You know, my daughter has a program that she does where she adopts two to three families a year. And they make sure that these individual families, you know, have food that they need and, and uh, even Christmas and all those types of things during the course of the year. And, you know, they check in on these families periodically and they make certain that, you know, they have what they need. And, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's powerful. And she does it just for a few families, but, you know, it makes a huge difference. And in my work, uh, uh, you know, I, I can cite a Ronald McDonald house who I work closely with and, you know, the work that they do for families in support of children. And all of this started with, with somebody like you, Frank, who was touched by suffering or somebody's situation and acted upon it. Well, and, and, and the theme the theme of the movie and my book and my personal life and your daughter is a perfect example of what I'm going to say is everyone can be a hero. When you can help somebody out, give back. And you don't have to have money to give back, as I was taught as a young child. You can give back with your time. Yep. Actually, sometimes that's more important. I completely agree. Uh, uh, I'm on a board of, uh, of a charity here in Las Vegas, Keep Memory Alive, the Lou Ruvo Center for Brain Health. And, you know, we find that we can raise money a lot easier than we can get people to donate the time that we need to execute programs. And I think every charitable organization has that struggle. And writing a check sometimes isn't enough. You know, you should write the check and then chase your own money with some work and time to make certain that we're more effective. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. It's unbelievable. And and people can find out more about what I'm involved in, more about the movie if they want to go to my website, which I hope you don't mind my mentioning. No, please tell us. Where can we find it, Frank? Wishman1, the number one, wishman1.com. Uh, all the information on there about the movie, about the book, about stuff we're up to. I'm involved with several other nonprofits. Uh, being associated with Make-A-Wish for so many years has given me, I guess, the credentials to be asked to sit on several boards uh, that we're helping out in all sorts of different ways. Everything from foster children that are being uh, aged out of the system, which I never thought about, John. When foster child turns 18, they still may be in school and they have nowhere to go. They're given a plastic trash bag and said, here's your belongings and goodbye. And it's funny that you mention that because I was, I'm no, I'm no longer because I've moved on to something else, but I was on the board of the St. Jude's Ranch for Children here in Las Vegas. And they have a program called Transitions. And it's exactly that, Frank. And and, and through their Transitions program, when the, the, the child ages out, uh, they can go into the, which is a small apartment, and there's counselors there to help them find the job and transition out, so to speak. And you're right. There's this black hole between the foster care, foster parent situation and 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 uh, uh, becoming an adult. And exactly. And up, up in Seattle, this is where we're starting this program. We're developing housing mm-hmm. uh, for group housing. Uh, we just opened up our first one. Beautiful neighborhood, beautiful area where we can house 10 of these children. And I call them children still. <laughs> yep. But they, they can stay there until age 23. They can finish high school. They can get into college. They can get into job training. They have 
they have a place to go until they can finally figure out on their own what's going on. Yep. Not only is it a place to go, it's a nonviolent, drug-free, safe place to go. Uh, exactly. Uh, and, and they, of course, I'm sure, have certain requirements that they have to meet to, to maintain their housing there uh, of working and a clean life and things like that. So it's a very important function. And, and you know, it, it's, uh, uh, it's wonderful, Frank, uh, uh, what you've accomplished. Talk to me about the President's Call to Service Award. How did that feel? <laughs> that, that was quite an honor. Now, I don't get to meet the president. The first one came from President Bush, and it just recently another one from uh, President Trump. But just receiving that letter itself, I mean, you kind of sit back, wow, the President of the United States, um, and reading it, kind of gloating a little bit, but just very, very proud, very proud to receive that. So think about this, this young, poor kid uh, with pretty much nothing from Seligman, Arizona, and Prescott, graduates high school, decides you want to be in the air traffic control business. Luckily, you qualify. You get into Arizona, college and university. You wind up going to England and having this interesting educational, international experience. This young kid, this poor kid, then starts with Arizona Public Safety. And then this young, poor kid, now this young Arizona motorcycle officer, is touched by one child. And one child in one moment and one thing from a bicycle safety program and meeting someone and to receiving the President's Call to Service Award to helping hundreds of thousands of children. Frank, are your parents still alive? No, they're not. No, they're not. Did they have an opportunity to see you achieve this? Uh, yes, they did. Yes, they did. Now, I, I, when you see the movie or read the book, you'll find out it had a, did not have a close relationship with my mother until her later, later years. In fact, she's the one that abandoned me when I was uh, uh, just starting seventh grade. But uh, my father, who searched for years, uh, we reconnected finally, and just the greatest relationship with him. And then even my mother in her later years, whatever her demons were, she mellowed out. And uh, uh, we, we reconnected. Wow. And, and I was taught that by, especially when I was having trouble with my, my mother when she left me. And Juan Delgadillo, my mentor, said, no matter what, we always remember that she is your mother and you will respect her. Yeah. And, you know, uh, when we look back at those years, everybody's just trying to get through the day, aren't they? Yeah. Right, and struggling with their own situations. You know, I had issues with my mom back in, in years, and you know, we didn't speak for a while as well. And things couldn't have ended better with us. But, but uh, uh, yes, so, you know, Frank, to, to help people, we have to have forgiveness in our heart, too, uh, and look at the good in everyone that inspires you to do this work. Well, exactly. And, again, I was taught, always turned, and again, at a very young age, and it's a popular term today, Learn how to turn those negative things into positive things. It's the absolute truth. Frank, yeah. you, you've not only helped uh, uh, now your idea, your inspiration, your hard work, your heart and soul has helped translate it into helping a half a million children have a wish come true, to bring a smile, a tear to their face, to have their parents step back and have pride and pleasure and 
and, and the power of siblings seeing this and parents involved in this and, and uh, 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 the child going through this, to think that you could have accomplished all of this uh, in your life and made such, such a huge difference. Uh, uh, I know we all want to thank you, but do you ever sit back and realize, uh, uh, give yourself a pat on the back for the magnitude of what this has turned into? Uh, no, I don't. I, I, I'm still amazed by the whole thing. And I always like to point out that I had an idea and made it work. But look at the thousands of people worldwide that make it work and continue to make it work and actually improve on that idea. Well, you're an incredible inspiration. And uh, you are to me. Thank you. So, Frank, thanks for, for, for having a heart bigger than so many of the other people around you because that heart of yours uh, turned uh, uh, into Make-A-Wish Foundation. It did. And I think that you're very humble. But what you've achieved is so unusual, so extraordinary, so special. Uh, uh, it'll outlive you. It'll outlive uh, me. It'll outlive all of us. Uh, this is something that will, will be a part of our society and life all because of your heart, Frank. A and uh, thank you. You're a very special man. What an honor to talk to you. Frank, Frank Shankwitz, uh, uh, <laughs> co-founder of Make-A-Wish Foundation. Frank, tell everybody again uh, uh, where they can find you online. Uh, the website is wishman1, the number one, wishman1.com. Um, there'll be information about book, movie, everything else going on, what we're doing, all the nonprofits I'm involved with. And then also on Facebook, just Frank Shankwitz on Facebook. Great. Well, I'll be following you, and, and everybody should as well. When is the movie scheduled? The, the movie has been out. It's an independent movie. Uh -huh. uh, it, it did its theatrical release, and now it's on DVD and live streaming, Amazon Prime and so on. Uh, we're getting such a great, great response uh, with the DVD sales. Even the movie, we received the honorable mention at Cannes Film Festival. We uh, received Best Inspirational Film of 2018 wow. in Arizona for the film festival. We won Breast Film and uh, Best New Actor. I wow. mean, it's, it's going great for an independent movie. So wow. happy with it. So what is the name of the film again on Amazon Prime? Wish Man. Wish Man. So let's look for that. And, uh, Frank, thank you for your time. And, and boy, uh, keep rocking, buddy, because uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Keep that ball rolling. You continue to touch more and more of us in, in, in more ways with your other board and other work. So thank you, buddy. All right. Thank you again, John. Take Go care. Want to talk to John? Email him now at podcast at johntaffer.com. Wow. Half a million children. You know, it's an honor to talk to Frank Shankwitz and think that, you know, this no master's degree, no big city education. This is a simple, simple man who came from a small town, a poor small town, who did big things. Started small, did big things. All of us. Whether we start small, in the middle, or big, we can all do big things. We can all make a difference. We can all give back. And if anybody is the master and really understands what giving back means, it's Frank. So i got to ask you guys a question. Can each of you give back somehow? Is there a family you can help? Is there you know, a local effort going on, organization going on, church effort, temple effort? Can each of us give back somehow? I know I'm going to be thinking about that. You know, go online, take a second, check out Frank. 
How about giving something to Make-A-Wish Foundation? But we all do need to give back. I think we can agree on that. Well, next week, Brian Deegan, who really created freestyle motocross, you know, contemporary freestyle motocross, will be here next week. I can't wait to talk to you all next week. That will be Episode 70. This closes Episode 69. You know what it's time for, Corey? What's that? A Taffer Sparkling Craft Cocktail. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm going for? What? Strawberry basil, buddy. That's my thing, strawberry basil. Thanks, everybody. That's a wrap.